welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode, I am joined by one of my actual real-life best friends, Gina Martin. Uh, you may know her from Changing the Law. She made upskirting illegal. She's an activist, a writer. She has an incredible book out that you can check out. So we discussed uh, breaking up with her first love, everything that that taught her about relationships, and also being my friend during my divorce and what that was like. Um which was an unexpected thing that came up in the conversation, but I thought was an interesting angle. And I've never asked her that before. So it's really interesting to hear her thoughts on that. We also talk about her current relationship, which really is like my mold for how awesome a relationship can be. Um, and I think it was really great to talk to her about learning from previous relationships and going into her current one and how she got to the lovely equal place she is today. So uh, enjoy this one with my friend Gina. I am joined by Gina Martin, gender equality campaigner and writer and one of my best friends. Welcome to The Divorce Social. Yay, thank you for having me. You're so welcome. How does it feel? that I'm welcoming you to the divorce social. It feels interesting because I've never been through a divorce. <laughs> but I think, like you said, the themes in breakups and divorces can cross over quite a lot. So I'm excited to be here and talk about it. And in actual fact, you're not divorced, but you are planning a wedding. I'm planning a wedding, which is the opposite of divorce. Um, I'm, I'm getting married next year. Well, you might say it's the, you know, foreplay to divorce. You might. One <laughs> might say that. And who knows what the future holds, to be honest. But currently, <laughs> we'll, we're hoping it's not. Yeah, sure. 
Um, and sometimes you don't need foreplay and we all know that. So it's fine. I'm a big believer in foreplay though, to be fair. Okay, sure. <laughs> so you're not getting divorced. You are planning a wedding, but you've had breakups in your life, right? I have. I've not had many relationships in my life um, because I was lucky enough to meet just the best man who's ever existed who I'm with now, quite young. Um, but before this relationship, I had a relationship when I was a teenager into my early 20s and a breakup there that was quite a formative experience for me. And that I feel like I've learned a lot from. Just before we delve into that relationship, what impressions do you have of divorce? And do you have any experience of divorce? I feel like when I was younger, my idea about divorce was very um, molded by like cultural narratives about it. So without even knowing, I think I internalized a lot of those ideas that, you know, this kind of negative, shameful connotation that divorce is a failure and all these kinds of things. And I don't feel, I don't think that anymore. Like I know, I know people who, only a couple of people who have been divorced and I come from a, a household where my parents are still very happy. Luckily, they've been together for, since they were kids and they're super happy. So I've never experienced it really close to home firsthand. But I think like it can be a really good decision for people and like a freeing decision and a solution to, to stuff. I think to categorize it as negative is really an oversimplification. Um, and I think it would actually be really empowering for some people to be able to make that decision and then, you know, redesign their life in a way that's healthier for them. It's funny to have you on the podcast because I've never really had like a close friend on before. And obviously you knew me when I was going through my divorce. So mm. it'd be interesting seeing it from a friend's perspective. So do you remember what what do you remember about me during? Let's talk about me, even though I'm interviewing you. <laughs> um, but what do you remember about me and what I was going going through at, at that time well I met you a little before the like a year maybe before the divorce happened right so like we became fast friends quite quickly but we didn't know a whole lot about each other and I remember I think I met your ex-husband like once or twice did I yeah before the divorce kind of started to happen I just think I remember thinking because you're so open about how you're feeling, you're a very open person. And I remember you telling me things and it was clear from just those few conversations when you were going through it and you make you were making the decision, both of you, that it felt like it was the right decision. I kind of just understood that because you you didn't, I, I felt like you deserved more and I felt like I didn't even know you that well. So I was like, wow, so she must do because I've only known this woman for a year and I even feel like you deserve more than what you're getting. But I also think, you were quite, uh, or from my perspective, maybe you weren't, but from my perspective, you were quite um, courageous and you just kind of got through it and you were quite practical about it. And there was lots of emotion in there, but you were very like, I was kind of like, wow, that's kind of an amazing way to go through a divorce. I would be, I don't know how I would be. I think I'd be a mess. And I felt like after the divorce was when you started to process everything Yeah, in a, in a very deep way. And, and with this podcast, I feel like that processing is sped up like four times because you're talking about divorce so much and you're having all these discussions all the time. I just remember being really impressed with how you dealt with it and thinking it was the right decision. And then it wasn't until later when I felt like you were really processing it and really figuring out and, and being able to look back at the relationship with clarity, right? Like with, when a little bit of time had gone past. Wow. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. it sounded like, well, you thought I was dealing with it well, because I just felt 
messy. Um, but I think that's the way it goes. But do you, I know a lot of people that I've interviewed on the podcast, we, we always worry when we're going through a divorce that we just rely on our friends too much and just tell them over and over again, like the same stories. Did you find that? Because I feel like you, you got a lot of me telling the story and you got a lot of me at my like angry face yeah yeah (laughs) very nice and you just listened I'm well I never felt like that I never felt like you I was sitting with you and you were telling me the same thing over and over again and I never felt bored by it but I think if you care about someone you don't feel like that like I grew up with parents who would like sit me down and be like talk to us about how you feel and that didn't matter if I was repeating myself for like four hours like I just needed this space so I'd never felt like you were you know, telling me the same stories or rehashing the same stuff because you, I don't know, there was like, you were feeling a lot and it was a big deal and it was a huge, you know, uh, marker in your life. And I cared about how you were feeling. So like holding space for you to talk about it just felt very, very natural as as your friend. And I have to say, I think you were a great friend at the time because I know friends listen um, to try and help you know, people that they know going through divorce. And I think what was, what you did was great was hold that space for me to talk. But then equally, you weren't like, let's talk about your divorce. Like you read the signs. If I wanted to have a night of just like not talking about it and just fun, um, then there was space for kind of both those things. I definitely really appreciated that. So thanks. Well, that's nice. Well, I think that's, that's good to know actually, because now I'll, I feel like I'll be aware of when people are going through so they should be leading the process of it, like when they want to talk about it, when they don't. I'm glad that you felt like I was helpful in that. I mean, I I just sat there and was like, that's fucked. Or be like, <laughs> or sat there and was like, okay, right. And how do you feel? Or sat there and was like, that's an amazing story you've just told me about going and checking a cute guy afterwards. <laughs> like it was only like, it was either like really fun stuff or it was like you were really angry or, but it just felt like that's what, these kind of experiences make up, right? Like they're just messy and like there's so many emotions in them. So like whatever you felt at the time was totally valid. And I think you dealt with it really well. I, was re- I mean, I don't know how I'd do it. Well, now we've, we've finished our love fest for each other. Let's delve into <laughs> your past relationships. So you had, I mean, the reason I wanted to get you on, because obviously I do have majority people who got divorced, but I am also interviewing people about big breakups and stuff. But I remember we started having a chat about you breaking up from your first love. I think you described it. And you said that it really informed your relationships moving onwards. So I'm really interested to talk about how breakups can bring different things to our lives and different lessons and experiences for the future. So Take me back to the time when you were with your first love. How old were you? Where were you in the world? So I was a teenager. I think we got together when I was like, oh, let me get this right. Like, oh my goodness, like 18 or something. Um, And I had this like, as a young girl and teenager, I was quite like scared of, (laughs) scared of boys, but I was quite like reserved with boys. And I'm quite an outgoing you know, energetic character, but with boys, I was a bit like, mm, I don't know. And I was never one to be like, you know, like snogging loads of boys or like going to parties and like having fun with boys. Like I just didn't, I spent most of my time with my family and I was just uncomfortable with guys generally. And my dad had some friend, my family from Liverpool and he has some friends that he still knows. And one of the boys he went to school with, uh, who he's still in touch with, he had a son. Um, and I'd known this guy kind of growing up he was kind of a reserved, shy guy, like a really, you know, good-hearted guy. And I think I, 
when I look back, I'm like, oh, Gina, because I think I just like from like 16, I was like, I'm going to go out with that boy and I'm not going to go out with anyone else until I'm going out with that boy, like for years before we got together. And so as a really young kid, I like built it up in my head that like that was going to be the guy and then I was going to go out with him and it was going to be that and then we'd be happy together forever. You're like, babe, you're 16. You have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. Like, chill out. But also goals. Like you picked him and then you went out with him. Yeah, true. That's why you ended up changing a law. Like you have a goal (laughs) and you do it. Yeah. I have a long-term goal and I work towards it. Um, But I was kind of 18 and we got together and he was... A lovely, he's, he's, he was and still is. I mean, I'm still really close with his little sister who was really young when we got together. They're a wonderful family and he's a lovely guy, right? But when I look back at it, I'm like, I could tell from the beginning that like he was not the boy for me, but I, I had really set my sights on this like lovely, shy, unintimidating boy who didn't make me feel like other boys did. And when I was 18, I was going to uni in Leeds and we dated through oh, it's really wild how I can't actually get the timestamp exactly right because it was so long ago now but I'm pretty sure we dated through like oh oh like at the end of first year of uni through second year of uni when I was and it's such a formative time uni like you're really and I didn't drink until I went to uni for someone who's actually really energetic I'm quite a straight edge like I have my my very small group of people that I love and care for I don't really I've never done drugs like I didn't really drink till I was like 21 like I'm a bit of a straight edge and I was he was dating this girl who was really sweet and we became friends and that made me and him a bit closer somehow and then he they broke up and then me and him got together and I think I was just a a bit obsessed and in an unhealthy way. It was like, if I go out with this guy, then that will mean A, B and C about me, which isn't the way to get in. You know, that's, that's, that shouldn't have defined my identity. I was, I was trying to figure out who I was. And I think we were together for like a year and maybe just a year, just over a year or something, a year and a bit. But it was a really formative relationship because I'd built it up so much from being a teenager. But what was it like, like meeting your first real boyfriend through your family? Was that like, I can't <laughs> imagine doing that. I'd be like, oh, weird. Like my my dad knows his dad. Like, are they going to talk about us going out? Or was that not I mean, a they did. I mean, I don't think, I don't think his dad, Rob, and my dad, Roy, Rob Roy, I don't think they spoke about it. But I think Colin, who was like, my dad's best friend who knew Rob, I think Colin and dad talked about it a lot. It was kind of, at the time I saw it as nice, right? Because it was like, it felt safe because it was like, oh, this is a good bet. Like I know the family, like they've been friends with my dad, you know, forever. So this is probably going to work out. And I could not see any reason why it wouldn't work out. I was like, this is my person. I'm going to be with this person forever. So like sweet and naive. But, um, and it was kind of nice because we'd go to family stuff and we'd be there together. And there was there was a sort of comfy bubble, right? Because it was in the family or like in the friends of the family. But there was also a bit of pressure because I didn't, I was like, oh no, what if me and Rory break up? And then there's like a real problem. And then obviously this would never happen because they're adults and they're like lovely people. But I was like, oh my God, and what if like my dad and Rob like have like, <laughs> like obviously not like grown men and you're like literally 10, like it's going to be fine. <laughs> So you said you were a bit obsessed with him. Mm. What does that mean and how did that come out practically? I don't even think the obsession with him was actually about him. I think it was about the idea that if I stuck to one 
boy or young man, I wouldn't get hurt. If I put all my eggs into one basket, made such an effort with this person. I've known him since I was four. We have this background. Our families love each other. This this will work out because I was too scared to date. It wasn't even about him. It was about the fact that I was too scared to date boys. I saw my friends doing it and young like teenagers and guys in uni. And I just remember thinking like, that just looks like a mess. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, that doesn't look fun to me. The obsession came from trying to place it on a safe bet. The way that came out in the relationship, I was obviously very young. And I think that throughout the relationship, I saw myself as his girlfriend and not as an individual, my own individual person. And I even one time was sitting on the sofa in my mom and dad's house. I think I was like 19. And I remember saying to my mom, I just like see myself as like Rory's girlfriend. Like I don't even see my, I don't, like that's how I think of myself. And mom was like, that's not good. And I was like, no, I know. Because I built it up in my head so much. And then we were going out and I was like, I have to be the best girlfriend. I have to make this guy really love me. Like, and also like the relationship, like, I don't think at that age, he was the most secure guy in himself. He, he probably is now, but he wasn't super secure in himself. And he used to say and do things that would make me feel l- l- inadequate in the relationship. So like things like, I don't know, I think one time he you know, had me as his background or something. And then he like deleted it and turned, put it, put like Scarlett Johansson on there or like, and one time I was putting makeup on at a festival that we were at together. And he said without, I don't think to this day would realize even how hurtful it was, but I remember it's like burnt in my memory. I was putting this makeup on and I was trying to get ready. And I wanted to look really nice at this festival. It's the first festival I've ever been to. And he was like, I didn't realize you were so like superficial. And now I would be like, you think putting makeup on is superficial. Do you know why we wear makeup? What originally, and also it's about creativity and joy and it's nothing to do with you. <laughs> but at the time I was like, oh my God, he thinks I'm superficial. And he had a very specific type, but he fancied that I wasn't that type. And there was just things like that where I just felt, and I'm quite loud and he was quite quiet and he'd make comments about that. Like I'm in your shadow all the time and like everyone just wants to talk, and like, talk to you or there was always these kind of things where our personalities were so different. And I think he felt like I was this like bright big light and he felt inadequate like he wasn't because he wasn't as loud as me and that just made me think oh I have to be smaller and quieter and you know stand behind him because he's the man in the relationship and it's like wow that's not healthy but at the time I I did shrink myself a bit and I did sort of say less or I'd put my makeup on and think oh well let's make up because he thinks I'm superficial or whatever you know and that wasn't healthy. Yeah, I think I can totally relate to like you being like, I want to be the best girlfriend. Because I think in my marriage, I was like, right, I'm a wife now. Like I need yeah. to be a wife. Um, and in my head, being a wife was loads of like patriarchal, <laughs> misogynistic <laughs> stereotypes yeah. of what a wife is. Um, you know, and I'm not a brilliant cook and I can't clean and, you know, all of those 1950s tropes of wife. Um, so I felt inadequate, but I actually don't know if that was something that came from my ex or just me deciding that I should be a wife. I think it's a bit of both, right? Like your brain's been created by society telling you that. And then if you have a partner who also reinforces that with the things they do, no wonder you feel like that. Yeah. And it's funny you say those little things are seared in your memory. And I feel like we all have those occasions where, you know, I remember I, I bought this new coat and I loved it. 
And then you, I came home and I like tried it on for my ex, well, my husband at the time. And, um, and he was like, oh no, I don't like that. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's like, look how cool it is. It's like a statement piece. Cause it was like loud as is my way with clothes. Yeah. Um, and I just remember, and it was just, he just said he didn't like it, but it felt like it felt huge. And like you said, it seared into your memory. And I, I think he wouldn't at the time, he would have just been like, I was just telling you, I didn't like a coat, but it felt really personal. Because I think as well, it, it is right. Like that moment where like now, like I'm, I've been for nine years in just the most wonderful, like we are best mates and I don't play Tony Porter who's a writer on gender and an educator around gender he talks a lot about masculinity and he talks often about this idea of men being able to be their whole self not their role self and I really hear that in relationships because I feel like so often we show up as what we think we're meant to be in the relationship and in the relationship I'm in in now engaged nine years in like I am my whole self and he loves and gets that. And there's nothing he he asks me to do. He doesn't undermine me. He doesn't want to change me. If I walked in in like a green dinosaur jacket and was like, I love this jacket, Jordi would be like, that's great. It looks great because I love it. Yeah. And it's it's less about his instant feelings on the jacket and more about the fact that I feel good and he wants me to feel good. You know what I mean? So those moments do stick in your head because they are little flags to tell you it was his priority you feeling good or is it telling you what he honestly thinks because it makes him feel good to be like no, I don't really like your jacket and to see you be like oh well I want to feel good look good for you you know what I mean it's like the power dynamic is off and I have to say like there was definitely a stage after my divorce where I was like oh I don't want to see any happy couples oh I hate it um and then and then you're kind of looking for inspiration around the place. And I do have to say, like, your and Geordie's relationship has been inspiration for me then, like, going out and dating because I see how healthy it is and how mm. happy you are for each other and how much you support each other. And I think we don't see a lot of that um, no. in the media or, we're like, we don't see healthy. We see arguing and conflict and you know because that's what makes great drama but we don't see just like mates who love each other no we don't and like you have to see the green flags as well as you have to be able to understand what the green flags are as well as the red flags right and like if we do see a relationship that looks like it's doing well you know so often I have some friends who will say about their parents like yeah they're still together and like they love each other but like do they love each other I don't know is it company or is it really love, you know? And you can be in a relationship that's ticking along quite nicely and it not be healthy and growing and like supportive and nourishing. But I think the relationship when I was young, that the breakup came from versus the relationship I'm in now, it's just like night and day. And like, there's something about the fact that me and Geordie, who is my current partner, like we we're just individual people in a relationship and all of the things he loves and all the things that make him so different to me. Cause it can really feel like in, in a relationship sometimes it's like, you don't get this and why don't you get this? And you know, I don't get what you're saying there and you're not communicating that way. It's like, yeah, cause you're different people. Like you're fully different people. I know we all love the idea of like, we're the Greek idea of someone was cut in half and then we wandered the whole world finding the other half. Like, okay, but no, we're different people and we support each other as individuals and it makes the relationship just work and just it's just easy because there's a lot of respect for the fact that we're so different and that's fine 
you know? Yeah, I like that. We should all aim for that, I feel. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's the ad break. Would you like some divorce social merchandise? Oh, yeah. Give me a divorce social tote bag. Give me a divorce social sticker and mug. All right, then. All you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S, that's my name, and you will get access to be able to join up to our Patreon. That supports the admin costs of the podcast. It also means you have access to merchandise and a 90s-style chat room where we talk about divorce and heartbreak and overcoming it and being fierce, amazing humans. Don't forget to leave a review of the podcast as well and hit subscribe on all your podcast platforms. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we're on Instagram and Twitter at DivorcePod and I'm at Samantha Baines. Enjoy this advert because it makes me 2p every time you listen. 2p isn't maybe the real amount. I've made that up as an approximation, but thank you anyway. How did the breakup come about then with your first love? So the breakup was um, bad. <laughs> sure. So I had absolutely no concept that he was going to break up with me, right? And I was still like, said, so this is it. I just go out with this guy and I don't have to ever worry about dealing with any of them in my whole life. <laughs> and we were in my house in Leeds, like my second house, like sharing with, you know, flatmates uh, going to uni. And he used to live in Manchester and he would come down. We'd get the mega bus back and forth to each other, right? And he was at my house. <laughs> And there'd been over this sort of four months before, there'd been a bunch of like things where I'd ended up sitting there crying and just the crying loads because of something he'd said or something I felt like he wasn't being compassionate about or I don't know what it was. I can't remember, but there was just too many times where you're just sitting there crying. You're like, why am I crying so much? And I think I'd said to him in one of those arguments, like, what is the point? Like, I'm just crying. Like, you just make me cry. Like, what is the point? Like, maybe this isn't right because I'm just crying. And it turns out he'd got that into his head and then just not been able to get it out of his head because he was like, yeah, like, why? This isn't right. And he came to Leeds and I think he was there for like two days and everything was like completely normal. This seems to be a trend, right? That like guys, straight head guys in relationships will like 
know they're going to break up with someone, but be like super normal and super nice the whole time until they do the breaking up bit. And you're like blindsided. Like I know guys who have like taken girls that I know on dates, like they're on a bridge. And then he's like, so I want to break up. It's almost (laughs) like if you're really nice, you feel less bad about it. But it's like, well, don't do that. Like, (laughs) so he was at mine. It was all fine. And to get graphic or like very personal about it, Basically, we, it was the morning and we um, made love. And then I went downstairs to make him breakfast. And I came up with the breakfast and then he broke up with me straight after that had happened. So he knew the entire time we were sleeping together, he was about to break up with me. Did he eat the breakfast first? <laughs> I love that that's the bit you're focusing on. <laughs> well, I just I think I need he to did. imagine the scenario. So, like, I think we were having breakfast, just finishing breakfast in bed. I made okay. a fire up, I think. And I think we were just finishing it when. Yeah. So he was like, I want the food first. I want the sex. Yeah. I want the food. And then I'll break up. Wow. Wild. And I think in his head, it was a bit of a like, this is our last time together. Yeah. Like romanticized it. But obviously in my head, I was like, so you just had sex with me knowing you were going to break up with me. That's so humiliating. And he said, he said something like, I can't remember the words now. It's just like so long ago. But he said something like, um, I don't think this is working or something. I think we should. And I, and I turned around and punched him in the arm. I went, ha ha, good one. <laughs> and he went, oh, no, I actually don't. Like I, and I was like, you're kidding right like what and then he wasn't and we talked and I was like what do you mean you know it was really like bad and I was like crying and and then during the the whole thing he he felt so sick that he went to the toilet to throw up because he felt so bad well at least he threw up the breakfast that you made him so it's sort of (laughs) karma I, you know, I don't know if he actually, <laughs> actually threw up or he just went because he's always going to, but yeah. And then he came back and then I did, I was like, what, what do you do to make it easier after a breakup? So, oh, I went around my room and picked out all the things he bought me, all the things we did together and just gave them all to him. And I remember saying, if you walk out now of this house and this room, you will never, like, we'll never, you'll never see me again. Like, so you do that now and that's your choice and you'll never see me again. And he went, he was really upset, but he was like, okay. And he just walked out. And I remember just fucking falling to the floor and like cr- just absolutely crying and cry. And it was like the worst thing that had ever happened to me. And I was like devastated. But when I look back, I'm like, are oh, you right, hon? Because I was like fully devastated beyond belief and so embarrassed. I was going to tell my parents and then like, you know, my parents would have to be like, hey, to his parents and then no. And oh, and I was just heartbroken about the whole thing. Well, yeah, of course you were devastated because you'd built it up to be, this is it in your head the as one. well. Yeah. yeah. And I think as well, coming from a family where my parents are so happy and got together young is absolutely a pr- an inordinate privilege. And like, it has such a positive effect on my life, obviously. And it also means that when you're young and you're in a relationship, you're like, well, I want to be like them. Mm. And anything that isn't like them it, you feel like you failed. And I remember saying to mum and dad, like, I thought we were going to be like you. But it turns out that entire breakup led me directly to Geordie in the weirdest way. And now I look back at it and I'm like, that's literally why it happened because I had to meet Geordie. And the only way I could meet Geordie is through this because my partner's from Australia. What are the chances of banging into him in Hungary in the Budapest party hostels? He was the, Geordie was the first guy that I met, fancied, 
was interested in after that breakup, my friend said, you're a mess. Let me take you to Budapest. I work in these party hostels. She took me, forget about everything for two weeks. She told me that this guy had seen a picture of me because she'd been there with all the boys at the hostel and they'd been like, oh, who's your friend? And she got this picture up and Geordie was like, oh my God, uh, she's the cutest girl. I love, I love her. And he pushed back his flights to go home to stay and meet me. And I went to the hostel and met him. And that's it. That's the rest of the history. He's the best person I've ever met. I mean, that's what we all hope for, right? When we're going through a breakup is that like, yeah. To I remember when I got divorced and I was... I announced it sort of on Facebook after a while, just so everyone knew. And and I remember secretly hoping that like people were going to come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, hi, I've been in love with you uh, just silently <laughs> over here for years, you know, and then it'd be like, ta-da, you know, new I'm incredible relationship. Um, but that did not happen because I feel like we hear all these stories. I'm like, oh my God, maybe I'm going to meet someone like right now. But I definitely needed some time and to do some work. But I think also it's nice to hear that that can happen. Like when you're in your lowest time, you know, you said when you fell to your knees on the floor after he just left, like if people are listening in that time, it's nice to know that it can, because of this happening to you now, can lead to amazing things like meeting someone new or like getting a new job or you know whatever something can fulfill you exactly I want to go back to I can't believe he had sex with you and then broke up with you I feel like I've heard that from other people though I think that's a thing Did you orgasm was it like a high and then a low I think I generally orgasm I'm like a good orgasm (laughs) I mean I think I think I did in most times but I would have to say the sex is, is it, with my current relationship is a lot more communicative and a lot better. When you're 19, the yeah. sex is never that, you know, it, it's it's fine, but it's not what it can be when you've got confidence and you're in your, your 30, you know? Yeah. But I just, I hope at least you had a little high before the low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did actually, yeah. But then it was then, a really bad low. <laughs> yeah, really bad. So in the in the recovery of that moment, did you did you feel quite violated because of the sex? Yeah, I felt quite used. Yeah. Was that in your head in that moment or was it afterwards? I didn't realize the situation until a few weeks after. I met up with him for coffee a few weeks after and basically asked if he'd cheated on me or if there was anyone else. And he said, Absolutely not, there isn't. I just don't kind of love you anymore. And and you know, I have a lot of respect for him still to this day, because I'm like, that's Apart from the sex thing, that's how you should break up with someone. Just be honest. Mm. Um, but it wasn't until a few weeks later, I was like, or a few days later, I was like, hang on. I feel so gross. Like you're in your most vulnerable state. And the entire time you're naked in your most vulnerable state, someone is looking at you knowing they're about to break your heart and leave you. And that's like incredibly embarrassing. And I think from his perspective, he would probably now regret that when he was when it happened, he was young and I think he thought he was like, you know, let's have one last time. It's like, you know, that only works, mate, if I know. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just hurrah. really humiliating. Yeah. yeah. And also, you know, in the after, aftermath of that breakup, when I met Geordie, I think like three months later, I was, I had walls up for about, up to about two years with Geordie. Like, I got into the relationship with Geordie because Geordie was from Australia and I was from the UK. And I was like, if we don't get into a relationship, we will not work out. 
there has to be a reason for us to be seeing each other because otherwise it's not going to work out. I was dating someone for two years long distance. Jodie was in Greece or in Australia. I was in the UK. And I really struggled that first year of our relationship. But I just knew, I was like, this person is phenomenal. I can't let this guy go because I know I'm going to fall in love with this guy. I know I will. But I can also tell that I'm totally closed off. And we talked about it a lot. And when you're long distance, you have to talk all the time, right? The communication and the trust is key. And we talked about a lot and I was really honest with Jordi. I was like, I'm fully a just got out of a relationship. I've just gone through a massive breakup. Like I'm hurting. I've got walls up. I can't have that happen again. And I held him at arm's length for a while in the relationship. And he was, he just was, loved me from the beginning. Like he was just, and he was patient and he talked it through with me. And I remember one time crying in bed about a year in saying to him, I'm just, you're here for me in the UK and like you're from Australia and you've come all the way to the UK to be with me. And you know, I just don't feel, and I'm like closed off and I don't think that's fair. Like, I don't, I think, I don't think it's fair. You're here with this closed off woman who is like, we have loads of fun and I'm super affectionate because I can't help because I really fancied him. But I was stopping myself from like, like actually fully letting myself go over into the relationship and be in it properly. And I remember he just held my hands and he looked at me in the eyes and he was just in a little tracksuit with these like fluffy socks on his, all his long hair up in a bun. And he just looked at me and he went, I just love you, need you to love me as much as you can. That's all I'm asking. Just, you just feel how you feel and it's fine. And I was like, oh shit, like this is, this guy is amazing. And then, you know, we fell madly in love after that, but it was, it was a transition period. It wasn't like I got together with him and was like, this is why it happened. I was just like a mess. And now all these years later, I can look back and be like, oh, okay, that's why. So when you were in that messy period before you met Jordi, what was it like day to day? Were you just crying all the time or did you yeah. take steps to try and, was there anything you did to help you recover? No, I was really bad at looking after myself and I still am to a degree. I, I remember that I didn't, when I get really upset, I lose my appetite and I didn't eat for like properly for like two weeks or something. And I was so underway and I looked so tired and drawn and I went into uni to work on something and I remember my friend gave me a muffin and she was like eat it and I was like sitting at the computer and she was like eat this muffin and I don't know if you've ever been unfortunate enough not to be able to eat for a few days but you actually then struggle to swallow stuff because you're so nauseous from not eating that you can't eat and I was like crying trying to eat this <laughs> must have been such a sad sight I was like sitting there like just like trying to eat this muffin just like crying because I I was so devastated and I just hadn't eaten and I'd just been in bed and it was really dramatic when I look back (laughs) but I'm very much that person I feel everything out loud very hard yeah it was horrible and I didn't do anything to look after myself but my friends really rallied around me and kind of came around and bought milk tray and like sat with me and watched films and like looked after me and then Jen eventually was like we need to get you out of the country because you're just a mess. <laughs> I, love, I love that that's, you're a mess. Let's go on holiday. <laughs> yeah. She was like, let's remove you from this. So you can forget, try and imagine it's not happening. Let's take this mess somewhere else um, and get it a suntan. I like, that's a great, just, that's a great bit of advice. Um, Isn't it? So um, now looking back and obviously then you met Geordie and fell in love. What do you think you've learned from that relationship? If anything? I've learned that you can't change yourself to make someone love you more. You can't do different things to make someone love you more. That you shouldn't have to. That you shouldn't have to be quieter or softer or move through the world in a different way because the way you are makes the person feel inadequate or makes the person feel 
jealous or whatever. And I think there was a bit of that. I don't think being a loud, determined, strong woman who like goes to, you know, I was going to ad award shows and like walking up to creative directors and being like, can I show you my book? And I was getting internships and he was like, things just happen to you. And I was like, no, they don't. Like I, I really have balls and I go into situations to really try and create stuff for myself and I take risks and, and I don't think he was that comfortable with that. I think that made him feel a bit inadequate. And I, I've, I've never done that since I've never quietened myself. I've never softened myself. There was a moment in this relationship where I was looking at Geordie and I thought back to the previous relationship and I was like, this is the difference. And it was that I worked to change the law and bring the voyeurism act to make upskirting illegal. And when I changed, that took two years in parliament and it was a big campaign, as you know. And in 2019, when I changed the law, I had this big party. You were there, like a hundred people in a room, like people who worked with me in, in parliament, journalists, writers, survivors, my family, my friends, my lawyers, people from the law firm, you know, just all these different people who don't, lots of them don't have anything in common. And Geordie kind of walked in and obviously it was all about the law change and ergo everyone wanted to speak to me and he walked in and he just squeezed my hand and kissed me on the hand and went go have fun and he, and he's not a super super outgoing person he's quite a reserved person and he went go have fun and I just walked off and I didn't see him all night and every time I turned around he would have a crowd of people around him or like three women who work in like domestic violence prevention or whatever and they'd be asking him questions and he'd just be like I could see it because I, I walked up to them and they were going, oh, and I was like, what's happening? And they were just saying, he's just saying how proud he is of you, that he just loves to like let you loose and just see you do your thing. And he just stands in the background with a, a drink and he cheers as you and he's just so proud of you. And I instantly in that moment, like while I was standing there, I thought back to my 21st birthday when I was with this previous boyfriend, the head of an ad agency had thrown me a birthday party because I was interning. And it was at the top of the W Hotel in Leicester Square. And it was a joint birthday party with someone else at the company. And I invited a bunch of friends and I kind of got in and I was, you know, people were there. It was my birthday. So I was saying hi to everyone. And I remember at the end of the night, ending up sitting on the toilet crying because he was like, you just like left me on my own. Like I'm always in your shadow. Like you're always just talking to other people. And it's like, what am I meant to do? And I was like, just talk to people. Like it was always a problem that I was that loud or that forward or that. And with Geordie, it's like, he just, he wants to see it more. Like he pushed me to change a lot. Like he pushes me to do everything I want to do. And he makes me the biggest, brightest version of myself. And whenever I'm my silliest or my clumsiest or my flappiest or my most determined or my most angry feministy, he's like, get it. Like this is the stuff. I love this. And that makes all the difference because I never shrink myself now. And I've learned that from this relationship. And because the previous relationship, I felt like I had to do so much. Yeah, it's so amazing. I remember being at that Lord Change party I remember thinking, because it was, you say it was a party about changing the law, but it was a party about you. It was Everyone was celebrating you and like all that you'd done. And I remember thinking, I'd, I'd already separated from my ex at the time, but I remember thinking, oh, this must be hard for Geordie because, you know, everyone's mm. just here to see Gina. Um, and because that's my experience before, you know, where at gigs or whatever, I go to events and, you know... I everyone wants to talk to you because you're the person they've seen the face of places. And I've I always felt, you know, like I had to look after my ex or like, yes. oh, this must be really tough for him. And then actually seeing Geordie and like talking to him. Cause I remember I went over to talk to him because I thought, oh, he's gonna be on his own. Oh my God, he was fine. He had like a group yeah. of people who was having like lovely chats and, um, you know, and to see like just his face of how proud he was of you. 
I was sort of like, I hate you because I'm so jealous that you have this, but I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and th- that was a real moment for me as well of being like, wow, you can have a partner that is totally fine with you getting all the attention. Um, mm. And, and actually, you know, would go so far as to say that they love it for you. Um, and, and I think a lot of people in relationships where they're the sort of, um, outgoing person or they're in the public eye or they're, you know, got some high flying job or something like that, where lots of people will come up to them and talk to them. I think it's quite a common thing of feeling worried about your partner and actually just to see an example where it was nice and healthy. Yeah, and... they love it for you. And I think that we we can pretend as well. I think that that's not, that there isn't gender dynamics in that, but there mm. is because yeah. I think, you know, for in a straight head relationship, like if the guy in the relationship is super successful and doing super well and providing for the family and a big personality and all that, most often the female partner is like, look at my husband go. That mm. is a man. That man, you know, what does being a man mean? Okay, well, those things all play into that. But when you are in a straight hair relationship and the female partner, the woman is all those things, determined, you know, kind of powerful, um, unafraid, like loud, and the the man is slightly more reserved. I think there is an expectation sometimes in straight hat relationships that no, no, this is the way it's meant to be. And women often do are more comfortable or more used to having to shrink themselves because society has been telling them to do that forever. So in relationships, they will more happily take a back seat when the guy is the big dog and doing all the cool stuff. But then when that's reversed, it becomes an uncomfortable conversation. It becomes a slightly uncomfortable dynamic that we're not always used to. And for him to be able to slip into that so easy and just be like, because it, because that's the thing as well. Like I found in this relationship, this is going to sound like I've just hit a bong, but I haven't. I don't think of me and Geordie as like gendered. So I don't. There's no role. It's not like he's the boyfriend and I'm the girlfriend. Just like when you when you're friends with someone, you're not like, oh, he's a boy and I'm a girl. You, you did that when you were seven. But as an adult, you don't have male friends that you're like, oh, hang on, he's going. It doesn't feel like that in our relationship. Our genders don't, they obviously have an effect. There's no way you can escape that. But they don't define the relationship that he's the man in the relationship and I'm the woman in the relationship. We're just besties together. We're just a team, right? So it it made it a lot easier for him to slip into that and just be comfortable because we just work easily that way. That's interesting though, because obviously, you know, I'm bisexual. And when I got divorced, I started having a relationship with a woman And what I found amazing about that was it felt so equal from the off. Mm. And, you know, I was in a big show at the time. And I remember she'd just like stand next to me while people were talking to me and was just comfortable. And and that felt amazing. And I remember thinking, oh, is that her thing or is that a because we're both women thing? Um, Mm. And I don't have an answer to that question. Maybe a bit of both. But there is something joyous about um, having a relationship with someone of the same gender in that you've both got sort of like the same societal pressures so you can straight away meet each other more equally because there isn't a gender thing. Power dynamic as much, yeah. Um, So interesting. 
so interesting. But um, you need to date more women. Just saying that on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> need you to date only women now. If that's what oh, you first experienced, please. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, and that's what makes the sex interesting as well, actually. Because, yeah, because if the power dynamics not yeah. as disparate. So I definitely need to have more experiences of that as well. <laughs> New I sexual think you do. I, I love that Sam. for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for supporting my sexual explosions. Always. Um, what if if people are listening and they can kind of really relate to to your story and that because I know we're talking about your first love and it was when you were eighteen, but I think even at the beginning of my marriage, I had those loads of those feelings of that like obsessive, like you've built it up in your head. So I think you can have that at any age if someone's feeling like you know had that and now they're coming out of that relationship and they're you know on the floor crying or crying trying to eat a muffin like you mentioned (laughs) um which I know sounds silly but like it is those small moments that are like the worst sometimes the worst yeah and you're like what's happened to me (laughs) yeah like after my dad died I remember I I was craving an avocado sandwich so like fresh French bread with butter and avocado inside. And so I got it and then I got into the car and we we had to go and register his death. And I dropped the sandwich and I lost my shit. Oh. Like, and it obviously it wasn't about the sandwich, but like, you know, it's sometimes so those tiny things. Yeah. And I like well, I was like screaming in anger. The sandwich awesome. and myself, and like crying, because sometimes it is those weird. It's food. It's food based things. Um, it's food based someone, things, but they make you realize how you feel. Yeah, how you're really feeling, you know? Because you're like, wow, I just dropped a sandwich, and I'm not. Mine okay. is like the opposite of you. Like you couldn't eat it, and I was like, I just <laughs> want to eat the sandwich. <laughs> Why is it on the floor? <laughs> um, but if someone can relate to that, and they're kind of in that place, is there any? words of encouragement or advice that you'd give them I think one of the best things I ever did was did things for me that were right that were good for me on paper after a breakup so you know I told him and I blocked him on everything I think now it's like so hard because you just see the person that you were broken up with you have to put boundaries in place and actually make the breakup easier for you and that's so hard to do so if you need a friend to be accountable for that and like you need to talk to someone about it, do it. But I blocked him and t- did a bunch of stuff like going away and traveling and stuff that were about me. And I think being able to know who you are outside of your role, quote unquote, in a relationship is so important. You will be told so many things about what being a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a partner means. And we can't escape all that that messaging. And so I think, you know, if you come out of breakup and you're, whether you want to be in a relationship or you don't, but just know who you are, you know, know what those things are that make you, you that have been consistent, those traits that have been consistent through your whole life. And if you're in a relationship or a position where those kind of traits are being seen as like, well, you can't be like that because that makes me feel like this. It's like, well, that's your thing. That's your work. That's not my work. This is just what I'm like. So I think do things that are good for yourself. Talk about everything with someone that you, that cares about you, that will let you talk and talk and repeat and repeat and set boundaries for, to get over the breakup. And then don't let those things about you go. 
don't let someone inform how you should be going forward because you will you will eventually find someone whether that's a romantic partner or that's just a best friend who just loves and affirms you and uplifts you and loves you at your biggest and brightest and weirdest and flappiest and clumsiest and that's a wonderful feeling and and I think everyone deserves that well thank you so much great words of wisdom and I've enjoyed that both of our dogs who are in the rooms with us have been fairly quiet during the second half of the podcast. So that's good. Um, you just Gina, licked your chin while I was talking and I couldn't. I was literally like, I love you custard so much. <laughs> She's like, hello, I'm still here. She's on my lap. And that's the only way I can keep her quiet. Where can people find out more about you and follow you online? You can follow me online. I'm on Instagram at Gina Martin. I'm on TikTok and Twitter at Gina Martin UK. And I do lots of work around gender equality. You can also come over to my newsletter on Substack, The Good Chat, where we talk about all different kinds of issues. Um, yeah, just come and chat. Thanks so much. Love you. Love you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Oh hi. Thank you for listening to the Divorce Social with me Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please please. Um it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts uh which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast and I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times and they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.